Welcome to Once Upon a Disney, an analytical yet fun-loving look at Disney narrative filmography from the 20th century. I'm Andy Redwine, and with me, as always, is my co-host who laughs in the face of danger, Larry Brenner. How are you, Larry? I just can't wait, Andy. That's that's how I am. <laughs> I am super enthusiastic about today's movie. Uh, oh, me too. Hey, this is our 40th episode and the end of season too. Which is so crazy. Uh, I, I can't believe we super got crazy, you, but I'm super excited that we did. And yes, what better way to end season two than with 1994's The Lion King? Ooh, say it again. <laughs> <laughs> the Lion King. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> well, some key facts to set the stage. So by my count, Larry, this is the First Disney animated feature to be an original story and not an adaptation. Uh, the filmmakers claim The Lion King was inspired by the biblical heroes of Joseph and Moses, as well as Shakespeare's Hamlet. And and this surprises me because I don't really see, I, I kind of get the Joseph and Moses, but Cain and Abel, my goodness, this is Cain mm, and Abel. Yeah, no kidding. And definitely oh, wow. Hamlet, for sure. Oh, yeah, 100%. Well, this project went through dozens of rewrites. Um, it went from a treatment in 1988 called King of the Kalahari, and then draft form King of the Beasts and King of the Jungle. Um, Scar was a, actually a baboon in one draft, and Rafiki was a cheetah. Okay. Um, so producer uh, and executive, Disney executive Don Hahn, took, took over the script at one point to really establish a clear protagonist with a clear coming-of-age theme. And the title changed then from King of the Jungle to The Lion King because guess what? The setting isn't the jungle. Smart move. I, the, the change, <laughs> good change. Yes, yes. Uh, Nathan Lane uh, auditioned for Zazu originally and Ernie Sabella for One of the Hyenas. And the two were co-starring in Guys and Dolls at the time, and they were asked to record together um, in an audition for the Hyenas. And they were so hysterical, they were recast as Timon and Pumbaa. Fantastic. Yep. Uh, so in an interview around the time of the film's release, uh, producer Don Hahn said, The Lion King was considered a little movie because we were going to take some risks. The pitch for the story was a lion cub gets framed for murder by his uncle set to the music of Elton John. And people said, what? Good luck with that. But for some reason, the people who ended up on the movie were highly passionate about it and motivated. Mm -hmm. And it worked, right? It, it definitely um, worked. Yeah. So the movie went through, not only did it go through all of those uh, revisions and rewrites, but in, in, in the screenplay form, but it go, went through 11 test screenings and tweaks until it was perfected. And The Lion King grossed $40.9 million opening weekend and nearly a billion dollars worldwide. It was the highest grossing film of 1994, and it held the record until Finding Nemo in 2003. And, of course, the movie won two Academy Awards for Best Original Score by Hans Zimmer and uh, Best Original Song, Can You Feel the Love Tonight? Which I, I have to say, Andy, while, while I have mad respect for Can You Feel the Love Tonight?, Oh, yeah. The other songs are so good. I think Can You Feel the Love Tonight is my least favorite song in the group. I like it. I like it. Mm -hmm. But I love the others. Oh, and really, the circle of life for me is, and 
by the way, parents, if you uh, really want to wake your kids up some morning, you should, and they're not getting out of bed, they're sort of reluctant, you should totally play the circle of life for them on your iPhone next to their ear. Highly recommend. Or or do it off key the way that I do it. <laughs> it's, it's It definitely gets them up. Well, yeah, yeah. So it gets gets the job done. <laughs> All right, Andy. I, I can't wait to dive into this. So I'm just going to get us started with the Manish Tana. And the Manish Tana, since it's the end of the season, why not go over that again? Uh, it's the question that we ask on the nights of Passover. Why is this night different from all other nights? And in this, when we apply it to a movie, we say, why does the movie begin at the moment that it begins? And right. I, I mean, Andy, there's going to be a great answer to this question. Uh, but the movie begins with the song, The Circle of Life, that you mentioned. We see all right. of the animals gathering. They encircle Pride Rock. Uh, Mufasa and his and all of the other animals are there. Zazu flies by. Rafiki comes up with, with uh, young baby Simba. Why do we begin the movie in this way? Well... It's a prologue, right? Sure. Um, it's the circle of life. We meet the savanna. We meet Pride Rock. We see the other animals defer to Mufasa. We see the relationship between Zazu and Mufasa and Rafiki and Mufasa. And we really get to see this little sneezy cub as the future of this. He is part of this circle of life, right? And honestly, it gives me chills every time. The the movie, the music really punctuates every step. There's not a word spoken by their characters. And really, to me, it's kind of reminiscent of Bambi. Yes. When the young prince is born. Very much so. And so all the animals are gathering. It's it's very different. Only this time, uh, it's, uh, but yeah, I mean, animation, music, visual storytelling, all of it. And then, boom, this title, which just rattles the... Gosh, it just rattles the movie theater, or it, it's fantastic. I cannot get over this. Of all the movies that we've done, this movie has, I think, the best Manish Tana of all of them. Because yes. number one, it's set to music, and it's rousing music, and it's build the energy of the audience up music, which is fantastic. Like, you are engaged. There, there's no tuning out to the circle of life. But beyond right. that, they do so much showing without telling. We see yes. animals on all sorts of scale. The music is giving us the theme about the circle of life, which is going to come back again and again in this movie. And mm -hmm. even without dialogue, we see that everyone owes allegiance to the king. But we also see that the king is cool. He's so egalitarian. Uh, he's treating everybody like equals and respect where respect is due. Uh, we learn so much about him, so much about the world. The music is setting us up for something, and it's telling us why today is an important day. Right. A++, Lion King. Yeah. Uh, I can't... Can you think of one that we've done that has a better Manish Tana than this? No, and, and, and I can't. And, and the there's the neat thing is, you know, there's the realism of these animals, but it's also there's a fantasy about it too. Yes, and they're not completely anthropomorphized. They're they're allowed to be animals, but at the same time, they have personality. Um, and and like you're right, Mufasa is this servant leader um, who takes direction from his subjects, and we get all of that. 
by just watching. There's not a lot of we know every I mean, honestly, we know so much about the just wh- from the beginning, what, just from yes, that opening what pride, song. Yes. What Pride Rock is, what it's all about and uh, who's in charge and um, and how how this is going to unfold. All right. So let's get into structure a little bit. And I'm going to say off the bat, the way that we do structure here is is I and I still want to apply our regular model, but I think it's worth pointing out our regular structure will fail us a little bit. This is very much a movie in two halves, right? You could right. see this as as a Netflix four part series, um, like like one hour, one hour, one hour, one hour sort of sure. thing. And I'm not I don't mean to imply when I say that I mean this works. This works. It's just oh, yeah. not traditional structure. But when I ask where does where does the exposition and where is the inciting incident, if we're looking at this as a single movie, uh, I have a little trouble saying what the inciting incident is or what it should be. Mm-hmm. In theory, Andy, what has yeah. changed in this movie is Simba has been born. But right. we have dismissed other in other movies the idea of child is born as an inciting, your protagonist being born as the inciting incident. We didn't accept right. it for Lady getting adopted uh, no. by, by uh, Jim Deere and Darling. And we don't, we didn't accept it with the, with 101 Dalmatians that, that, that the birth of all those puppies was really the inciting. Right. We, we generally reject that because the story hasn't started yet. Right. And, there are a few places where I can imagine someone saying, well, this is the inciting incident, but I, I think it's it's a while before we get the actual one. What would you say is one of the first places you think someone might say is an inciting incident, but but probably isn't? Well, the inciting incident, when I'm looking for it, I always look at the climax mm-hmm. and I'm like, what happens here that like what what wrong occurs or what? What's the drama that occurs in the beginning that gets righted by the climax? Sure. sure. So, That's a great way to think right? about it. Yeah. So, I mean, as I'm writing, I think about that because I always think about the climax of the movie. And then I'm like, well, how do I get there? Right. If I'm going backwards as a writer. So I come up with two possibilities. Um, one I like better than the other. But I either Scar is deceptively. It's, it's when either Scar deceptively lures Simba and Nala to the elephant graveyard. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that's one possibility because again, Scar showing his influence and his ability to hurt Simba or it's the death of Mufasa where everything, where Simba's world, his safe, sweet world has completely changed. And then of course, Scar uses Simba as the fall guy in his quest, uh, to, to kill Mufasa. Right. And, and yeah. Yeah. Which one of those do you like better? I like the second one better. I like the second one better also. And the reason but it comes so late in the movie, it's though, right? So late in the movie. <laughs> and yet, and yet, like I said, you know, not necessarily a flaw. In other movies, that's a flaw. It's not a flaw here. So no, no. you know, there's there's what's the inciting incident with the benefit of hindsight? And of course, that's what we're doing. When we're watching the movie for the first time, it definitely feels when Simba and Nala go into the elephant graveyard, they have transgressed, they have done wrong, and that's going to lead to a sequence of events. But in fact, that one transgression gets fixed. 
Uh, Mufasa comes right. in and saves the day, and and Scar has to try again. But so so that doesn't actually that actually all of that feels like exposition to me. It feels like time that we're given to see the relationship between Mufasa and Simba, but the movie proper hasn't started yet. It's exciting right. exposition. It's engaging. Right. And I, yeah, yeah. If if Mufasa dies, though, earlier than when he does die, I think we don't care. Right. I think we run the risk of the audience really not caring, like, okay, well, his dad's dead, whatever. But that relationship where Mufasa saves Simba, right? And he brings him back and he says, I was afraid, right? Yes. All of that kind of, all of that that moment and that that tension and the drama and the release valve and the way that they love each other, we feel this incredible loss. Just as when Bambi's mother dies, right? We feel this incredible loss when Mufasa is is murdered. And I'm glad you brought up Bambi because I want to bring I want to bring up a point. Going back to Bambi is if the movie of Bambi we talked about at the end of Bambi that the great prince walks away and and Bambi takes his place and is that a death and has the great prince died and given his role over to Bambi? Mm-hmm. I don't give a darn about Bambi's father because no. I have not invested in the time with him at all. When Bambi's mother dies, I'm thinking, why couldn't Bambi's father have died instead? Right. Because I like her and he's a deadbeat dear dad, as I've said before. Right. But Mufasa is a good father and his son is his world. And and the relationship between them is so strong. One might argue, Andy, and I don't necessarily think this is true, that the exposition even goes past the death of Mufasa, past Timon and Pumbaa, to the point where when Nala comes back and says, Simba, scars destroyed like that's the call to action that is actually where simba takes on the hero's journey that that even further down is the inciting incident you could see a movie that actually begins with nala going out there and she discovers a prince you could see that movie i think right um and you would have more time you would have to spend more time on the beats after that but but again i don't i don't think that's really where it is for the audience, at the point where we stop feeling safe is when Mufasa is no longer there to protect yeah. Simba. And and emotional and I think I think that's an interesting way of looking at the inciting incident. At what point is the audience saying, oh no, I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't if things no longer feel safe. And and that's the moment. That's the moment, the right. murder. And it's a double whammy in that moment, right? Because Mufasa is murdered and Simba is taking blame for something he did not do. And we know that, right? So so there's dramatic irony in that moment. We know that Simba's not at fault, but Simba doesn't know. And And Simba believes it. And it's, yeah, it's so, so good. It's so good. But I agree with you. I think there is exposition throughout this movie. Um, with Simba, but then there's also moments where we pull away and we go see what's going on back in the with the hyenas, with or we Scar, go, with Nala. With, yes, sometimes right, even right. Timon becomes our eyes. Yeah, yeah, and so it it bounces around a little bit, but I think we always get back to 
those are expository, but then we get back to always get back to Simba and that dramatic question of, is he going to become king? Is he going to go back and and take on Scar? Because that's we know that's what's going to have to happen, right? So a lot of times in these movies, uh, you and I have gotten into this routine, and I think it's true here, of saying there are kind of like two climaxes. There's mm-hmm. the action climax. This is where the forces of good and evil contend. And Andy, I think there might be one of those in this movie. But sometimes sometimes we feel like there's an emotional climax where the where the protagonist gets his stuff together uh, that happens before the the actual climax. That, so that, that we're looking at an emotional climax and an action climax here. And I think this movie does that too. Uh, the action climax, I think, is the real climax of the two of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm not going to like condescend to ask you this one because we know it's the right, fight. Right. Between, it's the fight between Simba and Scar, right? I right, mean, that's right. that's the action climax. I don't think we I don't think we get a pluses for identifying it. Where do you right? Fe- it's where we get the poetic justice of the film for sure. Where do you feel the emotional climax is? I think. Um, you know, Scar accuses Simba uh, of being Mufasa's murderer. And then um, I I think he has to admit that in front of his mother. I think for me, that's an emotional climax because it's Simba deciding that, you know, he's just going to take whatever, he's going to take whatever, whatever's coming to him. Even if that means the lionesses rip him apart or whatever, he's going to just, He's not going to live a lie anymore. And it's an interesting place to put it. For me, though, I think mine is my version of the emotional climax is earlier. Um, It is when Simba confronts Mufasa. It's similar to yours. Mm, uh, mm, Because yours, because you're looking at at, from the perspective of the other victim. And I'm looking at it that, that Simba is facing the spirit of the man he believes to be responsible to, of having killed, right? He believes he's yeah. responsible for Mufasa's death. And the reconciliation between father and son, they, they were torn apart and now they've spiritually been brought back together, feels to me like an emotional climax also. Yeah. Later on, Simba says to Scar, I've put it all behind me. And Scar's response is, oh, but have they put it behind them? Sort, sort right, of thing. Right. But for this is Simba's journey. I'm going to I'm going to point to the moment where Simba puts it behind him as as the emotional climax here. And that works for me. Yeah, I think the in that moment um, where Simba is, you know, you said you'd always be there for me. Right. Mm-hmm. You said that and you lied. You know, there there is kind of an emotional um, moment. He's mad at Mufasa for leaving him mm-hmm. and he feels guilty because he thinks he's the reason Mufasa left. There's so much. There's so much. And he's, abandonment. He's abandoned, and but he also feels like he's caused the abandonment. He des- right, he's punished. Right. Uh, there's yeah. so much there and it all it all gets resolved in that scene and from that point on, I think, I think Simba is mostly whole. Uh, and even if Scar did not reveal the truth later on, I think Simba would still be king. I I think he would be a king right. burdened with with a crime he hadn't committed, but but Simba's right. moved past it regardless. He doesn't well, need Scar. This, and I also think like as our with, with our audience and we've talked about this a lot about how there's no real moral ambiguity in these movies. 
we, especially with young children as, as audience members, they know that Simba did nothing wrong and they need some justice. Yeah. And so I think that's a big part. I, th- I think that, yeah, we that need works it. for me. As in, the we lions all need, need it. it. But all Simba himself doesn't yeah. because he and his father have connected and the re- that relationship has been repaired. Right, right. Exactly. All right. So then let's talk about falling action. Uh, sure. Spoilers. Simba defeats Scar. Uh, Scar is thrown to the that. hyenas. <laughs> and we have a very quick falling action, which is very similar to our exposition. The, the, the rains have come down on Pride Rock. Pride Rock has been restored. All of the animals have come circling up. And now it's time to, to present Simba and Nala's cub to the world. And the circle of life continues. Right, right. There and will, the, the dramatic questions answered. We know will Simba become king? Answer: Yes. And that there will be another king after Simba. That there's a continuity. Right. The line has been restored. Scar has not severed the circle of life, though he tried. Right. Though he tried. Well, let's talk a little bit about characters, huh? Yes. Okay, well, let's talk about Simba, which means lion or power in Swahili. Ooh, look at you. <laughs> you know me, always doing my homework for this podcast. Yeah, I, um, fluent in Swahili, guys. Please send all emails to Andy in Swahili. Uh, not fluent in Swahili no. at all. Um, uh, fluent in uh, Google Translate. Um, like, Just as but, good, right? Yeah, but he starts out as playful and prideful and a little bit naive, right? He's just a kid. He's precocious. uh, Yeah, yeah, for sure. The thing that strikes, I mean, it's almost like he's two characters because there's young Simba and there's older Simba. Mm, Um, But the the thing that most strikes me about younger Simba is how much he wants to be an adult. I mean, his song is literally, I just can't wait to be king. Mm -hmm, He is that kid mm -hmm. who doesn't, who, while he's enjoying his childhood, can't wait for childhood to be over. Uh, He Mm -hmm. wants to go chasing the hyenas with his father. He wants to go to the places where the bravest lions go. He's in such a hurry to grow up. And it's funny. I mean, it's not funny. It's ironic. That, that mm-hmm. what happens to Simba is Simba has this traumatic experience. And when we see him in the second half of the movie, uh, towards the end of Hakuna Matata, he is a child who does not want to grow up, right? He, mm, he wants to right. live in this Hakuna Matata lifestyle. He wants to be a kid <laughs> forever, never have right. responsibilities, never become king. Let's just, let's just live an eternal childhood with Timon and Pumbaa. Yeah, he, he becomes that, he, he shifts from being this precocious young person. And that trauma, I think, forces him into this perpetual adolescence. He becomes the opposite of who he is and has to, mm-hmm. and has to find himself and in, and he has to find himself in balance too, because he can't go back to being young Simba. Young Simba made a lot right. of mistakes. Um, right. And, and as all children do, right? He has to be, he has to become the, he has to become a new form of adult, a new, a new synthesize the two parts of himself, the cautious parts of himself and the brave parts of himself, the part that wants to rule wisely and the part of him that's afraid to make mistakes. Put all of that together to become a whole person. Spoiler. Mm-hmm. So do we all. Right. Right. <laughs> 
that's the job of growing up, right? That's our that's our job. Um, you know, the main characteristic I think Simba has after Mufasa's death is that he goes from this, you know, wanting to take on the world to this shame and avoidance. Um, I think that adolescence is sort of rooted in that uh, uh, avoidance. Like, I don't want to deal with this. Well, I mean, you're supposed to rebel, right? That's that's part sure. of the teenage experience. Except Simba mm-hmm. doesn't have anyone to rebel against. He ran right. away. He was told to, to run away. Um, mm-hmm. And so he's just left. He's just left there. And he doesn't want to be angry, but he's angry at himself. He blames mm-hmm. himself. I mean, yes, you're right. I mean, his his the part of his experience that I hope isn't universal for all of us is is how the trauma completely stops him from growing up. He's blocked yeah. until yeah, Nala completely. returns. And even when Nala right. returns, that's not enough. Rafiki has to come back. And even it's that's not, not enough. Right. <laughs> right. Mufasa has right. to come back for Simba to come back to himself. And I don't blame Simba for any of that. No, no. Especially when you think you've murdered your father, right? Right. Uh, I, I mean, I think the duality of scenes, too, in, in, with young Simba, with the get up dad in the morning uh, to get up dad and, and when dad's dead and dad doesn't oh, get boy. up, I think are just, I mean, I think a lot it's of such a great response. Yes. Yes. A ton in this. And it's so good. Um, it's just, it's so good. But let's talk about the antagonist of this film. Let's talk about Scar. Okay. Wait, let's. What do we think about Scar? Let's dig in. All right, so Scar is... Look, guys, Scar's not good. He's not a good guy. He's a villain. He's the Mm -hmm. villain of this Mm -hmm. piece. I've watched this movie a bunch. I find Scar to be one of the most fascinating Disney villains of all of them. And uh, we can talk about that. I want to puncture a couple of things here about Scar. The thing that really strikes me about him is how he weaponizes love. And Mm. what I mean by that is, okay, so this is what hurts me when I watch this movie. I see young Simba as a cub, and young Simba as a cub loves his weird Uncle Scar. He's climbing on him. He wants to talk about him. Uh, Scar says things that go over Simba's head. And Simba's Mm -hmm. just like, you're so weird. But but as someone who is maybe the weird uncle to a couple of kids there, like Simba doesn't realize that Scar does not love him. And Scar is able to fool him into thinking that he does. It's so cruel. Yeah. Especially in the scene after Mufasa has died and Scar goes there and Mm. pretends to comfort Simba. He does not have to do that. Mm -hmm. He does not have to pretend to. And in the audience, when we're watching that scene, there's a part of us that's going, is Scar going to try to raise Simba? Is Scar, is, mm-hmm. is Scar maybe, is there maybe like this little glimmer of some goodness in Scar that he just wanted Mufasa dead and that's going to be enough for him? It is not. And any, no. any, then he, then he chases Simba away. And then we think, oh, 
maybe Scar has this little bit of mercy, but then Scar goes, kill him, and sends the hyenas after after oh. Simba. And the cruelty of all this, the emotional cruelty of pretending to love someone oh. while you're plotting to destroy them. Oh, oh it's... It's a real evil. Scar is a real evil. There are scars in this world. I mean, he's truly evil at the same time. Like he claims this intelligence. I don't know that he's that I don't that I don't think he has. I don't think so either. Like like Scar's motivation to me is power. It's it's like Mufasa's like we, we we'll talk about Mufasa in just a second. But Mufasa's motivation is servant leadership, I think. Right. We see it in the prologue. Scar just wants what's his or what he thinks is his and he thinks that he's more intelligent than Mufasa but I don't think he is I I definitely know that he's not um I think that's he's the, more cunning he's he's, he's more like he's willing will- to do whatever to get whatever he wants but is he intelligent Scar is willing to debase himself beyond what Mufasa would consider that does not mm-hmm. make him smarter than Mufasa. It makes him no. less than Mufasa. Young Simba sings a song called I Can't Wait to Be King. Scenes oh. later, Scar sings the same song. He sings the song Be mm-hmm. Prepared. And in that song, Scar says the same things that Sim- young Simba does. He can't he can't wait till he's king. It's a future in which everybody has to listen to him, where most of the prizes go to him. Where the future, where all the sun will rise and set on Scar, a glorious future where everything is about him. Mm-hmm. Simba's a kid, so that's what he thinks. But Scar is a grown lion, and his mm-hmm. view of what it means to be king is the view of a child. He is well, sure, immature. Yeah. Uh, where he should be, mat- his his villainous. His villainy comes from the fact that he is in arrested development. He never grew as a person past who he was as a cub. Yeah, there's just a lot of emotional immaturity there. I think, you know, with Simba, you know, he... Okay, so every little kid grows up and pretends that they're an adult, right? Sure. And they look forward to the day when I'm a firefighter or a police officer or whatever, right? And I pretend. But Scar's an adult right now. And Scar knows exactly, I mean, I just can't wait to be king. It's such a sweet little fun song, right? But man, ooh, that that, uh, be prepared is like, what are we what are we ushering in here? Fascism? Is that what's going on? Well, and sure enough, I mean, I mean, there's certainly those overtones in the animation and all of it, right? There there is there is the one thing about Scar that I I feel needs to be said, which is Mm -hmm. that on paper. On paper, Scar has a message that sounds like it's a smart message and sounds like it's progress. When he takes the throne with, quote unquote, a heavy heart, um, he says, but I look to a glorious future where lion and hyena rule together and live together in peace. That is his campaign slogan. And you can see in the politics of what's being uh, happening in in the jungle, in not the jungle, but in Pride Rock, as that being a message that might resonate with people, we don't have to fight with the hyenas anymore, right? Mm-hmm. But he has no plan 
for the Hyena Lion Alliance. And it ends up destroying Pride Rock because these two species are supposed to be competing for food and there mm -hmm. aren't enough resources for them to cooperate in the way in which uh, Scar is is setting up here. He's right. It's an upset of the circle of life, right? He's he's disrupting it. And mm -hmm. and it sounds smart. Scar sounds smart, but he has no real plan. His plan leads to the extinction of Pride Rock. If Scar is not defeated by Simba, they all die. And he knows that. Mm -hmm. And he knows that. So, no, I don't I don't think he's smart. I'm going to go. Sorry, I'm on my I'm on my little rant wheel here. No, I no, I think it's I think it's brilliant. I think there's this, um, you know, scars seemingly altruistic in that like the slogan. You he's said, a good right? politician. Where we're all gonna live, yeah, where they're all going to live together. But the reality is he's really self-serving because he needs the hyenas to back him up in case those lionesses that get out of line. And I want to quote Aristotle's politics, not the poetics, Andy, his politics here. There's a there's a well, sense. Good. good for you. Yes, I know. <laughs> I know. As we've all read Aristotle's politics. Uh, I mean, I have, but I think you and I have, but I, so you don't have to read that. No, listener. but there's a sentence. I mean, there's a sentence from it that has always <laughs> resonated with me for the Lion King of all places. Interesting. Which is that uh, the difference between a king and a despot. A king raises an army of his people to protect his people from outside threats. And a despot raises an army of outside people to protect himself from his own subjects. Which, oh, of, wow. which of those is Scar? Scar's a despot. Mm. He is not king. Yeah. He was never king. That's yeah. That's my two cents. Me and Aristotle. That's good. I love it. Well, let's talk about a good king. Let's talk about Mufasa. I love um, Mufasa. I do too. He's strong. He's cautious. He's a good father. He's a great partner. Uh, he believes in the ancestors and order. And if this movie was just about how wonderful Mufasa is, and there was there would be absolutely no conflict in this at all. Yeah. <laughs> or a plot, right? So you have to dethrone the king in order to get uh, some kind of, of plot here. Yeah, I, I, I and I also think, and this is weird, but Mufasa, I think, loves Scar. I, I think that's the reason Scar oh, is still alive. Right. Uh, yeah. Another person who Scar has weaponized love and pity against right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um awful but we're, we're done with scar we're talking about mufasa no but i but i think that's important like as a writer you've got to have conflict right mm -hmm. and and at the same time like i i think that conflicted feeling that mufasa has about scar is really becomes his demise i think right he doesn't really deal with him he just kind of lets him live on the outskirts of the pride and oh you didn't come today but he doesn't really do anything about it and i think that becomes his his lack if if mufasa has a flaw his inaction with scar ends up really becoming really his demise but but andy this is this is so upsetting to me what i'm about to say i okay. think mufasa loves scar the most when scar comes running to mufasa and says you know, the, the herd is on the move. Simba is down there. And then the two brothers are racing down to the canyon to save Simba. 
I mm. think there is some small part of Mufasa who says, this is the moment where my relationship with my brother will be healed. Mm. Because when it came down to it, he was there to help me save my son. Better, 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 isn't it? Oh, I, it's... It's uh, this and is a new one layers. for me, Andy. I didn't even think about it, but when I see well, the image the, of them right, yeah, running yeah. side by side, I think Mufasa thinks, you know, ever all of the past, it's forgiven. It's gone. We're all moving toward this new thing. Yeah, we're saving the we're saving the future together, right? We're and we're doing it together. And little does he know. He calls Scar brother I, when he's on the yes. ledge. It's not in fear, it's because he knows his no. brother will save him. Right, right. I mean, the layers of this are so great. And I think it's important that, um, but again, it's the setups, it's the payoffs. We get to see that moment where he calls him brother doesn't have the weight unless we have that very first scene where Scar and Mufasa have this conflict about him not showing up, Scar not showing up at the Simba's presentation. Yeah. Right. And so, again, we know like it, it carries this emotional weight because we know we know what the stakes are. Right. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it does. So, Robbie, let's talk about Sarabi, Simba's mother. I wish which she means had... mirage in Swahili. Mirage in Swahili. Andy, what does scar mean? Uh, <laughs> I'm talking, I think it just I'm, means I'm, scar. I'm I think it just means scar. Uh, but but well, uh, of course, scar has a scar on his face. Yes. Right. Which I don't love. No, but, no, and we can, we yeah, but but uh, yeah, right. So Robbie, though, I think I wish there was more for her to do in this mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. I wish, uh, but she's great. I I I just feel like I could spend more time with her. Yeah, I mean, she does attempt to challenge Scar, right? and she, unfortunately, can she? She would be a way better leader for the tri- for the pride than than he would. Oh. Thousand percent. Um, and and again, like she does serve in the movie as our in person connection to the ideals of Mufasa after his death. I think for the pride, and also her presence, I think, raises the stakes. So it's like, what will your mother think that you killed the one she she really loves? Right. Another example Um, of Scar weaponizing (laughs) love against Simba. Simba's love for his mother. Oh, what will your mother think? You need so terrible. Yes. So terrible. And so um, just such a mind, ugh, just a mind, he's so gross. He is but gross. yeah, so Rob, agree with you, so Robbie could do more. Um, but I think the job she does do is is good. But I think this is a story about um, who gets to be king next. You know, I don't think it's a story about women. I think no. it's about progeny and who gets to be king next. No, I think so. I think you're probably right. Well, let's talk about Zazu, the major domo. Um, Zazu is just... I love him. I love him, too. You know, there are so many of these um, Disney major domos. Uh, Cogsworth, I think, is the most recent one prior to The Mm, Lion King. Yeah, yeah. But the Duke from Cinderella, all of these Mm -hmm. people who are to the... on on the right hand of of the king whispering in their ear. Uh, But Zazu, I think, is terrific um, because he values himself in a way in mm-hmm. which I don't know like Cogsworth does. He he may have a sense of self-importance, but he's also kind of adopted family. He feels very much to me like he's also Simba's uncle. He's mm-hmm. Simba's responsible uncle 
who may not be as much fun as Weird Uncle Scar, but he's he's the he's the uncle that mom and dad trust Simba to be left with, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and and is kind of taking on a parental role with Simba. He he's an advisor who can tell his young prince no, right? Mm-hmm. That's not how kings behave. No, uh, you'll be a bad king if you do that sort of thing, Simba. You know, right, he's right. he's. He's a power maker. He, I would, I would take Zazu as as my uh, as my advisor in a second, as my vizier. Well, sure. I'm. I mean, he's that. He's the. He believes in order. He believes in the organization. Uh, really, right or wrong, right? Because he continues to serve in that capacity for Scar. Yep. Uh, he's bra- brave enough to tell Scar uh, Scar off, right? But to he a also degree. submits. To, yeah, but he also submits to his authority. Yeah. I mean, some somewhat, right? He 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 resents it, but he still he still goes. There Scar doesn't does realize that. what a gift it is to have Zazu. Would never give him the respectful nod that Mufasa gives Zazu. Right, and so I think the function of Zazu in this movie, like, what is this? Like, I think when I when I'm coming up with a character in my own writing, I think, okay, what does he do for this movie? And I think again, he he makes that moral. He he really um, explicitly tells us what. Mufasa's moral code is. He does that very explicitly and 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 points out this is this is right and this is wrong and cubs deserve to be protected and 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 it also lets us know that Simba's very loved and cared for. To paraphrase uh I believe Sirius Black from the Harry Potter series, the measure of how great a person is is how they treat their subordinates. Mm. Right? And it's it's another example uh, Mufasa will listen to Zazu, will take Zazu's advice, take Zazu seriously. Scar turns him into a clown and makes him sing songs. Right, right. He, if you're not entertaining me, you bore me. Uh, right. And threatens him. So Because again, again, part of that is, you know, again, the difference between Mufasa and Scar, right? Mufasa is a servant leader who respects the opinions of his subjects and Scar expects people to serve him. I do love the one little moment with Zazu talking to young Simba after young Simba has gotten in trouble, where uh, Zazu says, oh, I hope you'll be okay. Uh, <laughs> right? We we know that Zazu knows Simba's going to be just fine, but that's like right. his, little, his little revenge on Simba. He's going to play into the, you should be afraid. I don't know if Mufasa can forgive this one, kid, but he knows. And, that, and those little ears go back. I mean, it's perfect. Oh, it's, it's such perfect. a great little moment. It's so playful. I enjoy that. Let's talk about Nala a little bit, which also means gift in Swahili. Ooh. <laughs> Look at me doing my work. You No, you did um, it. You did it. Now, what what do you think about Nala? What do we think about her? Uh, one of the best Disney princesses. Uh, she's motivated. She's active. She pursues her goals. She speaks truth to power. She, she She's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um Simba Simba marries well, I think. Yeah. Um I think I think she's great. I like how their relationship starts very equally. When they see each other mm-hmm. as kids, they're friends. They're pals. They there's no romantic connection between the two of them. They both find that idea icky. Uh right. but but there is this mutual respect and support for each other even when Simba's in trouble. Everyone else is against Simba, but Nala is the one who whispers, I thought you were very brave. Right, right. 
which is really sweet, right? And of course, she is the one that comes to get him. And he, you know, he likes her, but he sort of rebuffs that idea. Does he? Um, and she, yeah, sort of. She, I initially. think if she said, cool, I'm going to hang out with you guys, he, he would be thrilled at that moment. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. that she's trying to change him. Um, now, he sees it as change. She sees it as heal. Right? right. Repair. Yeah. Uh, right. She, she, of course, to Simba's point, he doesn't know how bad things have gotten back in Pride Rock and how very much he's needed there. Mm-hmm. But I mean, when she when she sees him and he's not willing to grow up, I think I think that's the thing that that turns her off of him. Oh, t- yeah, I mean, she's Sorry. she she remembers the little cub who sings. I just can't wait to be king. Right. And it's like, well, I remember that guy. Where's this? Who are you? And what she's experiencing a resurrection. She's been told he's Mm -hmm. dead. She's mourned him. He has not had to mourn her. Right. He knows, as far as he knows, she's fine. But she's Mm -hmm. thought he's been dead all this time. So, like, there's a lot of, she has her hopes raised and then dashed. And I think, I think you watch that line and she's like, oh, he's back. And then she realizes, but he's not himself anymore. Right. Right. All right, Timon and Pumbaa. I have a lot to to say about Timon and Pumbaa. Um, I, I I love them. They they are a great comic comedy duo. Uh, as a comedy mm-hmm. duo, they remind me of Cruella Deville's henchmen, uh, Jasper and Horace Badden, mm-hmm. uh, where one of them is supposed to be the smart one, and the other one actually is the smarter one. Like like, mm-hmm. what if the puppies disguise themselves? Oh, you idiot! Uh, puppies can't disguise themselves. They're dogs, right? Like that sort of thing. Timo, Timon right, right. is the smart one of the two of them. But in fact, Pumbaa's the one who's always right. Pumbaa's the one who comes up with the idea of having a lion on his side. Pumbaa knows that the stars are great ball, uh, balls of gas millions of miles away in the sky. Uh, so I love the comedy that functions in, in that way. Well, yeah. And ironically, Pumbaa means dull-witted and stunned, right? Um, and... But but he's not You're right. It's he, exactly he's not. He's faster to pick up on the fact that Simba is the king. Timon resists the truth when it's right in front of him. Pumba immediately gets it. But I, and they're really kind of the comic relief of this film. I mean, they pull that release valve when things get really intense, and and that I I am grateful for that. Oh, because we know. Um, oh my goodness, we totally do. They they help us. Totally they help do. us deal with like the movie will not be in despair forever. They rescue us from that when yes, they rescue yes. Simba. Of the two of them, though, I find. Look, maybe I'm seeing things that aren't really there, Andy. I find levels in Timon that I really want to explore a little bit. Sure. Can we talk about how Hakuna Matata is a terrible life philosophy? No matter what upbeat <laughs> song. T- Timon, sure. Timon, gives, <laughs> Timon gives Simba the worst advice in the world, which is don't deal with your trauma. Pretend it never happened. Well, he I mean, does, it is a life strategy, whether it, you want to use it. You know. And look, tempor- as a temporary strategy, because sure. otherwise you'll be paralyzed and this, this lion isn't motivated to even feed or, or drink, is fine as a temporary measure. Timon has embraced it as a, this is what we will do for the rest of our lives. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And that's right. That. 
so so Timon sets himself up as a mentor figure, replacing mm. Mufasa. He become I I really do see Timon sort of as Simba's adopted father. Uh, Interesting. Not, not as he. Not, I, I mean, maybe Timon would see it more as a big brother sort of thing. But I think when, from the perspective of young Cub Simba, young Cub Simba is looking for someone to guide him through this world because he's lost his guide. And Timon has guided himself in Pumba. And Timon starts setting down some rules. There aren't a lot of rules. But if you're going to live with us, kid, you're going to eat how we eat. Mm-hmm. Right. He's like, we're not going to we're not going to do this predator prey stuff. He, he like he like sets up some clear boundaries for mm-hmm. Simba. And and Simba is now taking orders from a meerkat. Yeah, this, for sure. This, this lion who should be the king is taking orders from arguably the lowliest of his subjects. Um, Timon? But, yeah, no, Timon is definitely the alpha meerkat. I agree with you. I think he is the the leader, and I think it's so shocking to him when he, you know he realizes Simba's a king. It's kind of shocking, but then he also is like, "Well, maybe we can use it." Wait, if you're king, then that means I get some stuff out of this. So, no, see, but that's you know? Scar. That's Scar. That's not Timon. I honestly think Timon and Pumbaa help Simba. Because they love Simba. And at the end of the mm. day, those bonds have, have gotten Timon to the point where he'll go to a he'll go to a confrontation. Pumba, by the way, immediately ready to go with Simba. It's Timon who resists. It's Timon who, Timon who fights it. And it makes me feel like Timon ha- is dealing with his own issue that has not mm. been resolved. And I know that this is probably just this part of Hakuna Matata got sung, we hear mm-hmm. Pumbaa's backstory. For whatever reason, Timon doesn't sing his backstory. He's still not ready to talk about it. He's not ready to deal with whatever whatever secret terrible thing Timon thinks he's done. He, he's not willing to confide to, in that to Simba or even maybe even to Pumbaa, right? Uh, right, right. And I, and I think maybe Timon... God, if I'm putting too much into this, Andy, please stop me. I think Timon <laughs> represents a different way of dealing with your trauma, which is to so. help yeah. someone else with theirs. Interesting. Interesting. That Timon, whatever has happened to Timon. Yeah, that ten, he's doing that tend and befriend thing, right? As opposed to by taking, fight or flight. By taking yeah. care of Simba, by supporting Simba on his journey, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter that Timon hasn't confronted whatever thing happened to him in his past. He's helped someone else confront it and therefore deserves some measure of peace. Right? Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Rafiki. Let's talk about Rafiki. Which means friend in Swahili. <laughs> wow. So, so no. <laughs> Duolingo so is amazing, Andy. <laughs> no, so, so it really is. Um, uh, so Rafiki is, the I think, the shaman who shows up when we need some wisdom. He's the Yoda. He's the Obi-Wan of this movie, right? Agreed. Um, the moment where he draws Simba on the, uh, the log or the yes, tree, the tree. And then he rubs him out. And then he brings him back and then he, you know, puts a mane on him. Right. I mean, I think, I think those moments um, sort of almost served as like, serve as like, um, like act breaks 
in this movie. Yes. A little bit. I, I would agree with you there. I would also say what what's interesting to me about Rafiki compared to Yoda is I think Yoda gets visions of the future. And I think mm-hmm. Rafiki hears the world around him now. He's privy to the secrets of now, but not necessarily of the future. So he also has to mourn Simba. He doesn't get to mm-hmm. know that Simba's alive until the universe is re- knows that Simba's ready to hear what Rafiki has to say. And once True. once Rafiki gets the sign from the universe that Simba's alive, he he, he knows mm-hmm. he knows what he needs to do now. He knows the universe has told him this for a specific reason, and he goes off and he he helps to set Simba right. But I think you're right. He's definitely the shaman, the shaman of this movie, uh, at the spiritual center. And I believe he's connected to a higher power in in this mm-hmm. in the world of this movie. He he is. He, I feel like he was connected to Mufasa in the movie in the prologue. We see the hug, right? But I also think he's connected to Mufasa somehow in the afterlife as well. Would you want to see a scene between Rafiki and Scar after Scar has ascended? Mm. I don't know. It may be too much. You think so? Do, do, yeah, it might be too much. I, I, I wonder. I wonder what what Rafiki would say to Scar if Rafiki would know somehow what it is that Scar has done, uh, mm. or if Rafiki would try to steer Scar into being a good kid. I don't know. It, I'm I curious mean, the, about the, it. I, I mean, I think there's an interesting uh, scene to be had where Rafiki offers the new king wisdom, and Scar turns it down. Yes, I think so. I think too. that could. I think that could be an interesting scene. I, I don't think we need it, but I think it could have been an interesting, interesting piece of it. Let's talk about the hyenas a little bit with the the henchmen, really, who terrorize uh, the lions. And uh, man, it's kind of crazy. Well, what's funny is they are both antagonists and comic relief, right? They're sort of. Yeah, they're yeah. sort of. They remind me of like from the medieval morality plays, there would be people who would play out the vice characters, the little demons. Someone would come out and be wrath or sloth or 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 lust or gluttony. But they'd come out and they sort Mm -hmm. of be like comic and everybody would laugh at them. And at the same time, they would sort of be demons. And I Mm -hmm. think I think the hyenas. I mean, look, if you watch Be Prepared and you don't get visions of hell, uh, and, oh, and sure. When they wear the skulls that give them horns, if you if you don't catch that, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. It's so clearly yeah. there that they're in this sort of demon role. They become scary at the end when when they realize their power over Scar. When Scar when Scar has betrayed them and Scar is thrown to them, oof. Right. I mean, Scar Scar really does do a deal with the devil, right? When he takes on these hyenas. Um, it, it's like he wants power, and, and again, he wants power at all costs, and that's quite a price. But here they are, and it is a there, you know, it is a, and they don't care about him, right? So, so Scar trades the love of his brother and the love of his nephew in for this kind of false power, uh, for with these, you know, henchmen that don't really care about him at all. But he's going to pretend they do, and he's going to pretend, and they're going to let him think it. I mean, they're that's exactly let him it. Think that he's in charge when they're in charge the whole time. Scar comes to power by being aided by foreign enemies of the state. 
He rides he rides the support of foreign enemies of the state to power. Uh-huh. They uh-huh. flatter him, but they get everything they want from him. He's actually their puppet. He's doing their do- bidding and they're cunning enough to let that mm-hmm. let Scar think he's in charge. But they and go the minute to, they don't need him anymore. They cut him loose. That is exactly right. That is exactly yeah. right. Uh, and interestingly, and I just thought of this when when the hyenas when when Scar tells the hyenas to kill Simba, they don't do it. Well, let's talk about what a coward Scar is that Scar doesn't do it. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, so, uh, Scar yeah, he, has this little cub in front of him. He could kill Simba himself. And then the problem is done. But for whatever reason, Scar isn't willing to take that act. Like, it, mm-hmm. maybe even then he's scared of Simba. So he sends the hyenas off to do his dirty work. Right. And that that really is his undoing. Right? He's he's mm-hmm. He's unable to take action. He needs them to prop him up at every step. Like a good narcissist, he needs followers, right? And so <clears throat> he wants his followers to do things, but the truth is they're not really very good followers. They're, they're, cap- they're capable of saying that he's their friend, and that's probably all of the affection that he's ever gotten. Uh, you yeah. know, I I wanted to make this point about Scar, and I think you did too. He His name was probably not Scar when he was born. It probably became no. Scar. Uh, and you had said... Uh, you are a little sick of, like, we know someone's a bad guy because they have a scar. I'm sick yeah, of it, too, yeah. because, yeah. I mean, scarring is something that shows that you've been abused. It doesn't. It's you've been through something. And, right. Yes, exactly. I know they're going for the mark of Cain with this. Do you think mm. Mufasa is the one who scarred Scar? Do you think that there was a fight I d- I between don't... the brothers and that was the submission? Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's deeper than that. But I think it. I can't think it came from someone who reveres Mufasa. I I I think it was Mufasa who did it, but not intentionally. Mm. I think there was a challenge for who was mm. going to be king. I think it was an honorable combat, and in that, Mufasa accidentally scarred him, uh, mm. scarred his brother, and maybe that's why Mufasa has never been able to t- deal with Scar because he feels like he made Scar. I don't know. Oh, that's an that's an interesting theory. I don't know. I like that theory. I like uh, that theory. There, there, Let's talk there. a little I, bit. I know that the lion kn- guard will actually have it, an answer as to how Scar got his scar. Oh, uh, but I, that is not it. I know what that answer is, but that answer is coming fifteen years later and not from the original creators of this. So as far as you know, that that might be a retcon. We'll 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 examine it when we eventually get to the lion guard series. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Well, um, I know you wanted to talk about Pride Rock and the recovery that happens after the fire and all that. Cool. Uh, so this is something that bothered me when I watched it in, what was it, 1994. Um, yeah. And the, so uh, I believe it's Sarabi says to Scar, there's no more food. We have to leave Pride Rock. And mm. Scar says, find more food. And Sarabu says, we can't. If we stay here, we die. And Scar says, we die, which is a great scene. Except when Simba becomes king, they don't leave Pride Rock. They're able to restore it. And that bothered me because it's unexplained. 
And I came up with an answer then, which I don't think is a great answer, but I'll share with you. Uh, but I've, okay. come, I've come to a better answer now. So the answer I had then was, well, you know what, Scott, what Simba's learned while he was away? That there's another way to live by eating slimy but satisfying. And that Simba teaches all of the lions to eat bugs. <laughs> and that gets them by and it gives the land an opportunity to recover and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And that that was that was what I do. And I said to myself, and do we in the movie want to watch lions eat bugs to explain this plot hole? And uh, the answer is no. But <laughs> I think there's a better answer. Because one okay. of the things we see happening after after the Scar Simba fight is it starts to rain. Mm -hmm. And rain gives life uh, where, mm -hmm. where things happen. But why does it start to rain now, as if on cue? And the answer for this is about the great kings of the past, I think. Um, I think mm -hmm. of this a little bit. You know, I, I often talk about Old Testament stuff with this. Um, there is a bit in, in the story of Moses where basically it says God knows that Pharaoh is never going to let the Hebrews go. But right. he needs to make it clear to the world how dramatically bad a decision it is to keep the Hebrews as slaves. So God like sort of heightens the conflict a little bit. It talks about him hardening Pharaoh's heart in order to make the, the conflict more dramatic and establish that his will is, is not being done here. Um, mm -hmm. And I feel like that's sort of what's happening with the great kings of the past is is that because Scar needs to be beaten in spectacular fashion. And the mm -hmm. circle of life needs to let us know that if you try to disrupt it, it's going to punish you. The land itself is going to be cursed. Yeah. And when and that the rain has been withheld and now can come back and give life and, and Pride Rock can be restored. Uh, right. I mean, I think the land is sort of that that uh, barometer almost of, of, of justice or injustice, right? There, when, there is this idea the land is the ruler. Um, and yeah. it's not just that Scar has, has overhunted the Pride Lands, although that's part of it, but the land is rejecting his rule and will not support him, will not sustain him. When Simba because comes back... Because he doesn't back, respect it. Right. Because he doesn't respect the cert. That's exactly it. When Simba comes back, the land through grace, is going to give them another opportunity to restore the, the kingdom. Let's um, let's talk a little bit about music in this. Um, we have, we've talked a lot about, we've, we've brought it up in, in different places, but um, I think it's really important, and I don't think we've talked much about score in a film. Yes. But man, I think the score in this movie is, and of course it won an Academy Award, is absolutely phenomenal. And then, of course, the songs. This is really a musical, don't you think? It's Blair? very much a musical. In fact, I saw the Lion King musical on Broadway ah, just two true. weeks ago, <laughs> Andy. That's and right. it's that's an amazing right. musical. Mm -hmm. uh, but what there are no duds in in mm -hmm. this one. You know, usually when we're doing this, we're like, we like this song, but this song less so. It's less impressive. Everything here has purpose. Everything either moves the story along or tells us something we need to know or makes us laugh. It's it is just hit after hit after hit throughout this. Mm -hmm. And and that's important because you know in in the in the sense, man, I listener, I'm not a terribly religious person, but I do I do approach movies uh sort of with this, like, what spirituality can I get from it? And it's sort of like, it's 
It's the sing. It's the songs in this are like intended to have us commune with the movie and gain greater wisdom. I really, I really do think that's true in this movie. Yeah, I really do. Th- I agree with you, Larry. I think this is a wisdom movie, and I think there are lots of. And we've made lots of parallels to biblical stories, Old Testament, and even New Testament with the idea of resurrection right. and or shir- shirking your call, but then going back to to take that on. Um, uh, the ideas of heaven and hell, right, I think are in here, and and the afterlife. And so it's certainly, um, I think it's, it's, it's definitely there. I mean, there's a lot of, of wisdom tradition and religious tradition that I think informs this film for sure. And I think it's in the music. I'm, I couldn't disagree with you even if I wanted to. Uh, <laughs> it's it's just well, inherently true. Well, let's talk about let's talk about pitches. Yay! <laughs> it's pitch time. Our final so, pitches of season two. All right. All right. So given this film, the animated series Timon and Pumbaa, The Lion King 2, Simba's Pride, Lion King One and a Half, and The Lion Guard. What would we do with this franchise? So I'll I'll throw out um, Lion, right. Lion King one and a half and Lion King two, both are are they're they're not equally as good as as sequels, but they both ask questions that co- that I would be my first my first couple of thoughts for this. Lion King one mm-hmm. and a half answers some of my questions about Timon. Uh, Lion King two answers some of my questions about the next generation of of lions. Uh, so, so I, th- I think they've come up with some good stuff. For me, though, my pitch is going to be called The Hyena King. And my idea here, Andy, is that I mm. can't get away from the fact that while we look at the hyenas as if they're demons in this movie, they are mm-hmm. a people who live in a land with few resources. They're desperate. There's an inequality between what the lions were given and what the hyenas were given. And my story is going to be that Simba, as king, is chasing the hyenas away, but a runt of the hyenas, a little hyena cub, is too weak to make its way back to the elephant graveyard. And Mm. there's a part of Simba that's like, you know, lions kill hyenas, but it's a little hyena cub. He can't do it. He raises the hyena cub as his own and tries to teach it about the circle of life in the Mm. hopes that that hyena can one day go back to his people and teach them to be good custodians of their land. Oh, wow. And that is a better way of getting peace between the lions and the hyenas than, than Scar's way. And, with, with, and, well, and that's just replete with potential conflict, right? Yeah. Especially when, when he goes back and he you know, isn't really accepted by his own kind as their leader. This isn't really a flaw in the Lion King movie. But mm-hmm. but if you take a look at the hyenas as a people who are the have-nots and the lions are the haves, if you look at it as a class warfare sort of thing, there is an yeah. inequality in resources. Uh, I don't think the movie wants to be viewed through that lens, but I think there's a story that we could get out of that. What does it mean to be treated as bad because you're poor? Or to be viewed as, Ooh. like, right? Yeah, yeah, it's great. They're like, they're being called poachers, but what else are they going to do? Die of starvation? They have no choice. And so this, I think, could grapple with those. I'm really, I'm really pleased with this one, Andy. I I think I want to see the hyena king. I want to see the hyena king. What have you got? Well, 
I know that Disney's done this with Cruella and Maleficent, but man, I really want a Scar origin story. Um, I I want an Esau Jacob style story where you have two brothers that are struggling over what it means to grow up and and who's going to get a birthright. Maybe Scar's the oldest, but maybe Mufasa gets to be king after some sort of battle where Scar gets his scar. And maybe there's this enmity between the two of them that just sorts, sort of grows up there. Oh, um, Andy, I love that. I would love this. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm digging it. A Scar prequel movie. Most is, most of the times when, when someone pitches that to me, I'm like, there's a reason we don't see the villain story. Andy, I think this works really well, especially if we start them off as loving brothers. Yeah. Yeah, or brothers that really care about each other. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's this strange jealousy that happens maybe because of their father. And maybe Mufasa is determined to be a better father to Simba because of the way his father was with him. Ooh, that's and interesting maybe that's why too. he's he's completely committed to the circle of life. And maybe Scar wants to go back to the, you know, dad's way of thinking. Yeah, maybe so. Mufasa had to actually challenge for for the throne. That that's interesting mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Oh, I like yeah. that. I like that a lot. Okay, we're at the end of season two. We did it, Andy. We did Yay, it. Woohoo! <laughs> Guys, can you believe it? No, I love it. No, I do too. And Andy and I have already started planning season three. But yeah. this is a great opportunity, listener, to let us know what movies you want us to do. We have expanded our range all the way to the year. 2001 uh mm-hmm. you know baby steps forward I, I know you some of you want us to get like all the way all the way to Encanto we're not we're not there yet um but to 2001 if you've got suggestions of stuff you'd like us to do uh please go to our Facebook uh page or or send us an email let us know absolutely and we're also starting to tack uh, uh tackle some Disney original movies Mm-hmm. Um, so not just things that are released in theaters, but also you guys Disney heard original movies. last week. There's, there's more. That's right. More where that came that, from, <laughs> and then also some of the <laughs> also some of the animated series uh, from the '90s, especially Wonderful so, World of Disney episodes uh, are mm-hmm, another good source mm-hmm. for us. We're we're pretty open to that sort of thing. Uh, I have another request of you, listener. On Apple Podcasts right now, we have 49. Uh, ratings. 49 ratings. Oh, no. 49. It's and, not even. <laughs> and I check it every day. I check it every day waiting to see if it'll get to 50. And I know I could just so like, like get like my aunt to do it, but but I want it to be organic. You could be that listener that gets us to 50 or beyond. Beyond is good too. But 250 or beyond. <laughs> 49 is such a tease. It it mm. it. It's driving me mad, listener. Please, please, please. Kick us over the goal line, listener. We would really appreciate it. And hey, if you really like what you're hearing, do us a favor and share this podcast with another Disney or classic movie fan. And please, please, please check out our Once Upon a Disney Facebook page. You can tweet us at at Andy Redwine or at Larry Brenner 6. Or you can drop us a line in our mailbag at Once Upon a Disney Podcast at gmail.com. So until next time, friends. See you real soon. Hakuna Matata. Hakuna Matata.